Disappointed with the opening period, clearly uh, that's when the, the game was, was lost. Um, we never were able to get a foothold in the game. Uh, we didn't have an opportunity to clear our heads. Uh, we're a little bit, uh, I say the word, milky uh, in terms of our, our defensive work. And uh... So yeah, then we can just like talk like this. It's so, it's so rare <laughs> that I just hit that button and I just have my amazing, you know, funny satirical intro lined up but yeah we could just talk about this is england for a bit oh, i'd happily i'd happily do so i'd happily i was having a big chat about this is england at work the other day actually and the work of shane meadows in general um mm. a lad from work has never seen like this is england or dead man's shoes or any of those films and they're really good i watched dead man's shoes the first time ever the other day what did you think i thought it was you know, brilliant. It was absolutely harrowing. <laughs> so, so on the on the back of like the the lad at work saying he's never seen it, we decided to put in together a list of like twenty films that he should see, and he wanted us to put like the film and then the genre of it and the Dead Man's Shoes. We've just called it Dark Brackets. Will leave you feeling really sad. Yes, and I think that's a, that's a pretty good reflection of that film. We could we could call this podcast that, couldn't we? Dead Man Shoes. No, Dark will leave you feeling really sad. <laughs> Episode title found already in the first minute of the podcast. I like it. Um, Shane Meadows is from Staffordshire. Didn't know is that. Is he? Born in Utoxeter. No, uh, oh. Lived in Nottingham. Um, yeah, I like, yeah. I, I like those kind of culty well, that- British films that make you feel all depressed. They're quite good then. <laughs> they are, they are, and uh, yeah, this is England is based in Nottingham because it's based on his like growing up. But the TV series I know is filmed in Sheffield because it's like filmed on one of the estates in Sheffield, mm. like Doctor Who. Like yeah, a lot of Doctor Who is filmed in Sheffield. This did time. you see, did you see today's Doctor Who? I've not watched it yet. Oh um, man, I only I only oh. just caught up on the Spiders one from last week. Oh man, it's it's rough going. It's just so oh. so poorly written. I really oh, no. I really wanted to like this one. I thought the Rosa episode was amazing, but man alive! Oh. What was what, what is this the one? This okay, is the no, is this this is tonight's one. All I can tell you is it's on a spaceship and nothing nothing really happens. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair so enough, look forward to that. Yeah, thanks. I will. I'll catch it on the iPlayer at some point. I'm sure. Shall we do the actual podcast now? Yeah, go on then. Fuck it. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. On today's show, we're talking... See, <laughs> see, this is why we plan them. This is why we don't have the organic chat at the start. It's just not uh, that good. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. On today's show, we talk about a game between Gary Rowett and Tony Pulis producing no goals, James McLean courting controversy, and a Mark Hughes side looking completely helpless at the back. I love football. It's so unpredictable. (laughs) Joining me is Chris Brammer. Hello. Hello. Are you well? I'm I'm very well. I think... uh... I'm looking forward to slash very nervous about this episode because yeah, this might be the episode that finishes the podcast. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to talking about Mark Hughes. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, right. Just as a promise to the listeners now, 
if you stick with us through the McLean stuff, we've got a very, <laughs> you know, nice treat for you afterwards. It, it'll be a pudding. We'll, we'll say we'll save you to the end as like a as as your dessert. It's there. Just think of it, and if you're still feeling sad at the end of the episode, we've done the best we could. But actually, Chris, um, I didn't hate the actual football that happened uh, on on the weekend, mainly because no. I watched it. You know. Having known the result beforehand, I came back to the game which I had recorded and uh, was able to skip a few bits. And that is definitely the ideal way to watch a football match, for sure. Uh, But before we delve into our thoughts on the game, uh, Tony Lloyd has sent us his thoughts. Yeah, uh, nil-nil. Probably would have taken that before the game. Um, I don't know how it looked on telly, but first off it looked like... For the first time in a good while, we knew what we were trying to do, like with some kind of plan, uh, which is definitely an improvement for me. I thought Otebo was excellent, Edwards was good, Woods was good, Sido good, uh, Ince was doing his thing. Why take one touch when you can take eight? Which was frustrating. Obviously, frustration was in the final third. Ince got in inside, down blind alleys, lost momentum. Uh, few were guilty of that, certainly. And I think Sido was probably least guilty of that. Didn't really notice a phobia apart from when he was clean through, but needed to hit in early and didn't, which is a shame because that's kind of his thing is being the finisher um, second half was more of the same obviously we had our customary defensive lapses they should should probably have scored from one of them but on the whole I think we looked pretty good up to that final ball you could see Rowett wanted to freshen things up but he also didn't seem to want to change anything which you could kind of understand and then when he did obviously he took Sido off which was wrong um, Bojan did well lovely Bojan and needs to play I think McLean Put a good ball early on, which was a pleasant surprise. Uh, Crouch was Crouch. I don't think we lost anything taking a phobia off, though. So, semi-positive all round, really. Go on, Stoke. Thank you, Tony. And if you want to send us your post-match opinions, feel free to email a voice memo, iPhone or just whatever phone quality is fine. Email it to wizardsofdribblepodcast at gmail.com and get on the pod like we are. So... (laughs) Uh, so Chris, uh, I yeah I didn't hate us yesterday. I thought there were signs of slow but steady progress there. What did you make of Stoke nil, Borough nil? Yeah, like in in the la- in the last podcast when we were sort of previewing this game, I kind of expected the game to be boring and a nil nil against the Tony Pulis side on paper, you would think that was the case. And I, I don't really feel that way. I, like you, I came back to the game later. Um, so knew that we hadn't lost to Tony Pulis, which was kind of, I think if I'd have watched it live, that would have been the thing that uh, would have been in the back of my mind, making me worry all the time. Please don't concede to a Tony Pulis side. But no, I think, if, especially in comparison to, to recent weeks, the game against Sheffield United where we both agreed we just were really abysmal in control in midfield. I know that a Tony Pulis side sets up to just give you all the space on the ball and hold their position, but I think that that kind of benefited us. It gave us confidence on the ball, and I thought our passing was better. Mm. 
yesterday. And whilst I, um, whilst we are nowhere near a creative side yet, I do think there were opportunities. Certainly, um, there were there were times when we proved a problem for what is quite a strong defence. Yeah, um, one of the best defences in the league. So, uh, I think nil nil is probably the fair result. Uh, or at least a draw is a fair result um, because we didn't do enough. But equally, I don't think it, we weren't holding on by our fingernails or anything. It it neither team did enough really, and but that, that's a good thing. That's a positive for us, I suppose. We it, it was relatively comfortable, I suppose, in that respect. There's been kind of some argument to suggest like Middlesbrough probably had the better chances, but. I thought on the balance of play, we were the side more likely to make stuff happen. You might you might argue that their uh, the chances they did get were slightly better, and Butland's uh, done a couple of really good saves. But I didn't think uh, we were especially troubled. It certainly wasn't a, an onslaught from Middlesbrough by, by any stretch, and. Yeah, I liked the midfield performance. I thought I thought that was really good. I thought Atebo had his moments and Sean Well. I thought Alan played really well. And we are slowly looking gradually not it's perhaps too strong to say creative, but it's just like we're starting to trust each other more on the ball. We're starting to you know, you know, embrace possession a bit more of the football. And I know that can wind up some people, and some people have made the point that we're perhaps a bit too pedestrian. But I don't, I don't think we were pedestrian yesterday. I thought we showed intent, but they are just a really awful team to break down. Now I've just looked at the championship table. Middlesbrough have conceded eight goals this season. The next uh, lowest amount is thirteen, which is Sw- Swansea and Leeds, and then you've got good sides like. Sheffield United have conceded 19, Derby and Norwich 17, West Brom have conceded 24, three times the amount that Middlesbrough have conceded. So that should, goes to show you um, how strong they are at the back. And um, what was also, you know, because we knew what to expect, we knew how they played, because we used to play like that, you know. Um, they Their blocking was quite incredible the amount of times like even just half chances on the edge of the area would just be charged down instantly it was it was like even the vaguest sniff of a goal was like had to be defended like the Alamo Danny Bart that was his first start for Middlesbrough and I oh, thought wow. he, he was absolutely incredible he that was possibly the best defender I've seen at Stoke in some time I thought he was you know, terrific, and he he got promoted with Wolf. So he's clearly, if he's calling on that quality of defender straight away, he's he's clearly got something really good there. George Friend is a great left back as well, and you you know you know what to expect with Pulis, but it's just so bloody difficult to to do it anything is. about. It it re- yeah, it really really is, and that's what you know you're going to get with the Tony Pulis side. They are going to be strong at the back, and just like we were, it's. They will invite pressure on it. It will. They they are quite happy to not have the ball. Um, but but yeah, I yeah, I think definitely pedestrian is a word I've used to describe us some in the past. And whilst I don't think we were like anywhere near fast, free 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 flowing football, mm. um, 
I do think that yeah, there was just a bit more confidence about the team. Um, I thought putting Berahino on on the left and floating into the middle was a good thing. Yeah, I think that he that is a I I would prefer him in that position ahead of McLean. Um, and I thought midfield wise, I thought they they did they did a good job. I was I was panicky when I saw Bruno at left back, but yeah. to be to be fair to him, I don't think he had a, a poor game at all. Um, and Edwards, I thought, is had had a, a good performance. It's oh, it was lovely to see crossing from our fullbacks that was relatively accurate. I think that was the thing. We were so much width wise, we just seemed that little bit better yesterday. And whereas before, we've been absolutely rubbish in those areas. It's nice to have it be positive at least for one game. Yeah, um, I think it's finding the balance between... uh, Because uh, Higginbottom and the commentator on Sky yesterday mentioned how after Blackburn, Rowett's almost made us play 20 yards deeper. And that's been really frustrating for a lot of fans, seeing us go from a side that would score a lot but also concede a hell of a lot to a side that is now... I think our last few games have been binary in terms of scoreline, haven't they? <laughs> so it's it's kind of like, how do we find that balance between a side that can create chances and score chances and a, a side that, you know, just, you know, leaves it all to pot at the back? Um, I think Tom Edwards was my man of the match. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I think, uh, yeah, the, what you mentioned there, the, the crossing coming from... From right back, we we don't get that from from Martina, and we didn't really get that that quality of crossing from Bauer either. Uh, yeah, and Bruno did a good job in tough circumstances. He's he's not the guy you want to see bursting into the penalty area on the overlap by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, he he did an all right job. Um, so on that kind of point of how we strike that balance between the boring stuff and the exciting stuff, I guess. Um, I guess how do we how do we do that because a phobie just looks so isolated and it doesn't seem to make any difference what players we have on the pitch there he always seems isolated and I, and I, I started to think like is it a phobie's fault is a phobie not contributing enough but I, I'm not so sure I've just felt like he's kind of been hung out to dry recently because it's so hard to get support up to him that's it. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen like a suggestion that he's he's not putting a shift in, but I don't really know how he can. He is mm. that 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 argument that we've we've dropped that twenty yards deeper is, yeah, that, I think that is noticeable because we are sitting back and leaving a phobia up there, and he isn't a target man. He is a player that will play onto through balls yeah and and we we aren't playing to his strengths and so it's very difficult for him to hold up play for other players to run on to 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 catch up especially when they're so far behind so i mean ideally you you play by having us higher up the pitch but um we we sat deeper because i think rowett feels that players were easily getting in behind our relatively slow defense so he made everyone sit that little bit deeper. Um, I suppose you, what you need is you need that midfield player who hangs out, hangs about a little bit further up the pitch and tries to to link things up. Bojan would be 
would be perfect, I suppose, but he he's limited to substitution roles. Um, yeah, I wondered if I, we would have seen him given the fact it was a home game and he seemed to try a use Bojan at home kind of tactic for a bit. Um, but then again, I, I can see the argument that Tony Pulis's Middlesbrough, you know, a bunch of a, yes. a, a back eight of bullies might have been, you know, a, a lot tougher going for him. So um, perhaps if I'm going to be critical of our setup uh, yesterday, it was maybe we showed them a bit too much respect by not having, it didn't necessarily need to be Bojan, but not having Alan or Atebo play slightly more advanced than they did. Try and get or, between the two banks of four and, and try and exploit or even, them that way. Even having Berahino further up and having it almost like a two up front and I'd, yeah, like Phoebe needs the support in his role and he isn't getting it at the moment. There, There is an argument, I guess, that we should be playing 4-4-2 at home and two, two people up front. One person who obviously drops that little bit deeper, but yeah, it, we need to be leaving people further up the the pitch for for him. Yeah, it, it's it's tough, and I don't think uh, Nottingham Forest away will necessarily see a change in that. Given that <laughs> you know it's it's going to be a tough game. Uh, just going to get some points in from the listeners uh, on on a related on a related matter. Joe has messaged us. To say, uh, I'm not a fan of Crouch starting, but if our attack is going to be Peters or Edwards swinging balls across the six-yard box, we need another body in there to win headers. If we want mm. to play like this, there has to be two up top, and I think you can make a good case for Crouch or even Juf. We need to start scoring scrappy goals. And then uh, we've got George who says, why do people think one up front is negative? Um, and it kind of loops back to what we were saying. I don't think... Just having two up front in and of itself is a solution, but no. we definitely do need more support. So whether it's having a more advanced midfielder or having a second striker, th- there needs to be a change there. I'd I'd be quite interested in the Juve idea because I think he can he he's a lot better at making a nuisance of himself and perhaps feeding off scraps than Crouches. He's um, certainly more of a physical player. Yeah. Yeah, he'll put himself about a lot more than Crouch will. Crouch uh, is still, in my eyes, only ever a plan B. And um, that that's harder for me, me to be convinced on that Peter Crouch uh, should be starting. I'd rather see... Obviously, you know, I'm a Bojan Easter, so obviously I'd like to see Bojan as a 10. But if not, a midfielder as a 10 or Saido behind the striker or whatever... You know, let's let's maybe in these home games, regardless of whether it's Middlesbrough or it's you know Preston or Ipswich, let's you know take the game to the opposition because that's what we did against Bolton. We started Bojan in the home win over Bolton, and that was probably our most convincing win of the season. So, um, there you go. Uh, point from Matt Edwards breathes a new life into the fullback position, and Bruno looked dynamic in the role. I think we need to be braver entering the box. Too often we look for the sideways easy ball. Whenever we actually tried an incisive pass, it came off yesterday. We're not far off IMO. Yeah, we, we had nice moments. I think, uh, although Ince was frustrating, he played some nice little dink through passes to a phobie, which 
I talked about their blocking ability on an, on another day with less on it defenders. You know, one of those balls, you know, fi- finds the path of the striker more easily, or Benekafobi isn't called offside that time, and um, they they are just so good at, at what they do. I'm again, I'm I don't want to fawn over Tony Pulis. I'm, I don't want him back or anything but wow you know <laughs> sometimes you eight that that fact they've only conceded eight goals is, is still yeah. pretty astonishing I, I i yeah i came away from this game thinking we play like that against other opposition i think we'll get something yeah um mr red really surprised by the negative reaction online was the first game i've enjoyed all season good seeing Barrow working hard butland back on form and all the bullshit with McLean shouldn't matter. He's a very poor footballer. Um, on McLean's um, <laughs> performance, I like it's he, he got ten minutes, same as Crouch and Bojan. So, and I don't know why. Maybe, maybe I do. Uh, why McLean is getting more criticism about his level of performance? But I thought, like the minute he came on, he he swung across in that Crouch could have uh, talk about on another day and all the rest of that we could have scored from. So, I'm. Um, I get people's criticisms of McLean's ability, but I don't think he's necessarily the absolute garbage waster he's necessarily painted out to be. I don't. I, I wouldn't have him in my starting eleven. I'd prefer to see Berahino play as he did against um, as against Middlesbrough. Um, Rupert says Phobia is isolated so bad. We've got no real attacking intent. We just don't look bothered going forward. Need new wingers. McLean offers nothing, and I think Ince tried to take. I don't think Ince tried to take anyone all game. Good to see the defense being solid. Just need to sort ourselves out going for goal. So yeah, the yeah the wingers are um, definitely a cause for concern now with Tom Ince reportedly needing surgery, and that um, makes you wonder about what we can do in Tom Ince's position. Like, could we go to a a two up front if if we can't? start our you know our two key wingers would we perhaps even change the system around it's going to be difficult i wonder if bauer would come back and uh take up the where, right wing where role. where is uh Juf at the moment i have is no he... idea i think he's injured Cause, yeah because my i would imagine that ints out Juf would slot into that right forward position Mm. It'd be nice for him to change the entire system though, and have two up front and play almost like a a diamond in midfield. Ooh, That'd be nice. A diamond. I see a diamond. Actually, I think uh, with Ince out is suits the players we have. Yeah, almost yeah, same, almost perfectly. But I don't think, um, I don't think it's a system he's ever necessarily no. played before. It's, I'd certainly be surprised if he had. But Woods' is best. As a deep line midfielder, then we can have Alan Atebo doing all the doing all the doggies in the middle. Then we've got Bojan behind mm-hmm. Berahino and Afobi. That is quite interesting, exciting. It's just a shame we're not going to see it. Um, no, I know. And the good thing about that, theoretically, would be that with your two strikers up front, that gives Bojan more more space on the ball. So you would mm-hmm. hope that. It allows him to be at his creative best, but as yeah. you say, we we ain't gonna see it. So. But if we've got the overlapping fullbacks of the Stafford Cafu and uh, <laughs> Bruno Martinez, who knows, dear <laughs> dear Gary Rowett, um, yeah, we got a lot of uh, cautious op- 
optimism about that performance. We got a, a few negatives as as well. Um, couple on Twitter, uh, no progress. And in answer to the question, how do we find the balance between chaotic Stoke and boring Stoke? Replace Rowett with someone that has a clue, and McLean is just shit. Um, oh, and from Scott, we had no progress, pointless possession. It's really just passionless, pureless ball. Rowett out. Hashtag afternoon oh. off. So, I'm I'm not there. I'm not at that stage. No. I mean, all you know, I can understand people's frustrations. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong to be frustrated, of course. Uh, but I'm, I am not at that place yet. Yeah, it's kind of been the case that the season's been so frustrating that you take the little victories where you can, and yeah. you don't you don't want to get too down the cycle of oh god we're crap, oh god we we can't win, we can't create chances, <laughs> and all the rest of it. Because some sometimes. Sometimes we look like that. Sometimes we we look like we're about to turn a corner, and then the corner has a hippopotamus behind it, behind it, and it just <laughs> eats us. Um, so yeah, I am. I would say yeah, almost a thumbs up for that performance. Definite signs of life there. And if you couple that with the Bristol City victory, you know we're starting to starting to look a bit better. Um, Nottingham Forest is gonna be a tough old, tough old game. Yeah. Um, not necessarily looking forward to that. Okay, then. Uh, what are we about? Twenty-four minutes into the recording. Uh, Chris. Um, yeah. A, a man didn't wear a flower on a shirt yesterday, and uh, and all hell has broken loose. Thoughts? It's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a bit weird. Like when when you said just then, reminded me that he only came on on the eighty second minute. Mm. Like all the all the controversy that has followed it, and he was he weren't even on for like more than ten minutes. It's 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 sort of madness. Um, <clears throat> I just I find the whole thing a bit boring and a bit. <laughs> I'm making lots of noise because it's 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 a I, I it's a really 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 emotive subject and I get that and I get that for some people it can be a big thing I th- I think my issue with the whole poppy gate as we'll call it is that I I almost feel like the outrage is somewhat f- fake Forced. not yes. Yeah, yeah, not in, not in that. I, I, I don't doubt that people genuinely feel really outraged that, and and and, and, and angry that James McLean isn't wearing a poppy. But I, I certainly don't feel like it comes out of a position of he's disrespecting the 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 war vets of World War One or whatever. I feel it's out of some almost vague notion of of Britishness or or anti-Britishness from from his part. Um, I think that's like almost like my whole issue with the 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 poppy campaign in 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 football and perhaps in wider society in general because it's almost like the poppy when it comes to this time of year it it's it's showing some form of patriotism and like you get all these ever increasing extravagant displays you get a, a tank rolling around the ground you you have to have cookie monster on the one show wearing a poppy simon cowell dressed as a mummy last night on the x factor wearing a poppy uh i don't know if you saw today one of my 
favourite ones is like an enamel badge, which is Peaky Blinders. Never forget. And it's like Poppy. It it all seems... I, I feel like the actual meaning of the why we have this period of time, why we have Remembrance Sunday, is almost lost. And there's there's almost something really distasteful about it. And I don't think... Actually, I don't think anything probably showed this lack of understanding about what Remembrance is than yesterday when the last post played and afterwards the minute silence was abruptly cut short because we started applauding. Um, I mean, maybe I'm in a privileged position because I've done remembrance uh, ceremonies and I've been to Meningate in Eeps and all that stuff. You just know that the last post plays, it's a minute silence and then it plays again to break the minute silence maybe that's just a privileged position from from me and other people don't know that i mean add to that then the whole james mclean situation where you get sectarian chanting which in in my view and hopefully yours dave has no position and no place at stoke what we have is this real toxic blend of like staunch britishness that uh, it, it, it's, it creates this awful, awful atmosphere. And I've seen responses from people on a line saying that those who respect James McLean's right not to wear a poppy should respect fans for booing and chanting. And, and it's not that, is it? Because by all means, folks can express their opinion and their disappointment at James McLean's position. But what we saw yesterday was chants about him being an IRA sympathiser and things being thrown at him. And it was nothing short of... The growth of almost a mob mentality. You get this awful aggressive scene, and is that really paying respects to the fallen at Passchendaele by chanting about James McLean being part of the IRA and throwing stuff at a footballer? Like, don't get me wrong, I think James McLean's post on Instagram that's followed is, I think that's, that's silly on his part. But then I think it's really easy for me to say he should rise above the hate and shouldn't post that thing. If it's if people are booing me and throwing things at me and attacking something I feel passionate about, I don't think I could easily say, yep, I, I will, I will head, hold my head up high. I don't think it helps situation because it, it, <laughs> it's insulting people. But then equally, I think the people who are offended by what he said on Instagram are going to be offended by James McLean anyway. It just it just feels a bit fake, but not but not fake. Hmm. Uh, that's incredibly well articulated, Chris. Um, I I don't know if I can add much more to that without kind of stepping on a lot of points you raised there, and I feel like we are going to um, we're going to have people disagree with us. Kind of no matter what way what we say, even if we kind of try to sit on the fence as much as possible, there would <laughs> yeah. be people upset with how we how we sat on the fence. So it's yeah. it's not nice to talk about because it's not football. It's not yeah. anything to do. Well, is it anything to do with football? It's it's not what we sign up to do when we when I thought like yeah we'll just chat about Stoke for an hour on a Sunday. This isn't something I really considered that I'd be talking about. I I don't know enough about Irish politics, Irish history, James McLean's personal history, Bloody Sunday, all the rest of it. But um, 
I do know some things about history, and like you, Chris, I have been um, honoured enough to attend a last post ceremony at the Meningate in Ypres, and it's haunting. It's and if you, if anyone listening has been to the uh, graveyards in Flanders, if they've known anyone who's because uh, speaking as white British males, Chris, the chances are incredibly high we've had a family member for yeah. or die in either of the world wars at least um so it is difficult it is emotive and it's it's not within the confines of a silly stoke city podcast to to kind of lay any moral huge moral judgments about so that's so that's one thing um but the thing is i think that football's relationship with Remembrance Sunday has hurt both football and Remembrance Sunday. Because if you look at the circus around our game yesterday, and it's not just our game yesterday, if you look at how football has changed its approach to it, over the last few years we had things like the England poppy ban imposed by FIFA. We've had... Uh, national newspapers uh, criticise football clubs for not having an embroidered poppy on their shirt. I think that has been hugely toxic. I think it's been absolutely ridiculous and has kind of really just warped what could and should be an act of remembrance. How much of Yesterday was spent remembering the people who fought and died for us to have a right to attend a fucking football match in the first place. Obviously not accounting for people's individual thoughts while while the last post was going on. Everything about it was not about remembrance at all. All the military match day stuff stank of the club trying to cover their tracks because they knew James McLean's uh, decision would would stir something up. We've now had we've now got a situation with with the last post being played at the ground, which I'm not opposed to because no matter what, what the context of you hearing it, the last post is haunting. It it, it chills you sometimes and mm-hmm. I, I want to credit the 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 trumpeter who performed it yesterday because it was a superb rendition. But in the immediate aftermath of that, not only do we have the minute silence unobserved because people don't really know the procedure and if the club wanted to properly do a military match day I think informing people of the procedure around the last post could have yeah been articulated but the the trumpet stops and rather than have the kind of the music kind of rings back in your ears doesn't it it it, it stays with you and you can get chills on your neck but Instead, we've just got, and I don't know which side of the ground it was, or if it was both, we had a chance of fuck the IRA straight where a minute silence should be. Mm. That is fucking ridiculous. For a fucking football match to turn into this farce. But I don't think it's because people hate James McLean, and I don't think it's because James McLean has deliberately stirred this up. I think James McLean's doing what he believes, but I think the 
dickheads who boo their own player are doing so because they want to be seen to be being of a higher virtue. They want to be seen yeah. to be remembering. They want to be seen to hold this either patriotic position or look at me, aren't I amazing for for my, you know, position. It's it's not become about what the poppy is supposed to be about. And the people making a mockery of what the poppy if you believe them is supposed to be about are the people who were being fascistic about it, who are being sectarian and are stirring up hatred. I, the whole thing left a sour taste in the mouth and the Instagram post is a separate issue. I thought uh, the way he articulated it should have been done better. I think there are elements of the Instagram post which are provocative given who he's quoted and perhaps the language he used. But like you say, Chris, we've not been the victims of of abuse and if I know he's a highly paid footballer taking you know hashtag the queen's pounds and whatever <laughs> but fuck it fair play if if they are cavemen if they if they're going to behave like that because they can't have the common decency to to respect someone's point of view yeah it's, it's I, pathetic i i read i read a a blog piece earlier today by um, a stoke fan who in the blog like outs themselves as an ex-service person doesn't and and they they made the wonderful point of if the queen and martin mcginnis can put aside differences and shake hands bearing in mind their animosities towards each other and their their represent various representative views on either side of the northern ireland conflict if those two can shake hands then i'm sorry but lads in the booth and end don't need to be singing stuff about fenians mm. in a football match and i agree i agree i feel it is it's it's this virtue of oh yeah. look at me i am the the the, the big i am I'm, it's virtue signaling isn't it it's it, it is it is and and i think if you probably spoke to those people on an individual basis and you really got down to the the what so why are you singing that what what do you mean by this i don't think people would be quite as passionate because it is it's that you're in a crowd people get whipped up and that i don't i mean i know i used the word mob mentality earlier and i i don't want to big it up to be bigger than it actually actually is or was but you just people egg each other on don't they and so it gets bigger um I, it, it it was an ugly, an ugly sign and an, an ugly thing, and I, it wasn't yes. the proudest moment we've ever had. No, no, absolutely not. Um, as far as where we go from here with James McLean, that might be a, an issue for for Gary Rowett to take up. I know he's not taken kindly to play his Instagram posts in the past, so I wonder mm-hmm. if that will affect anything. And I think kind of the position I've seen most online is I don't care what he thinks about the puppy. I just think he's a pretty shit footballer. And yeah, yeah, I have a lot of sympathy with that point of view. Again, I think people might be overstating just how shit he is. I think he's a bench player at best for us because that's where we are as a football club. Um, So yeah, interesting to see what will happen on that front. And 
I I want to think we'll be big enough to move on, but part of me just worries next time he steps out on the pitch in a Stoke shirt if it's if it's going to get worse. Um, so moving on, Chris. Yes, there was Premier League football today. <laughs> there was. Um, there was a game at the Etihad Stadium, which was unfortunately not televised. Although we've seen the clips, oh boy, we've seen the clips. Um, Manchester and the comments. C- oh, we've seen the comments. It finished Manchester City six, Southampton one at the Etihad Stadium, and I've uh, been on Southampton FC's Twitter. I've taken the comments of the Man of the Southampton fans and completely plagiarising Dave Gorman I've taken those comments, picked out my favourites and put them into what I'd like to call a found poem which I'd like to perform for you now Sack whoever is responsible for hiring these mugs Resign Dead man walking His team doesn't react from the start of the season, he must go home That defensive display is absolutely laughable I just want my Southampton back. You are nothing. You are a fool and a waste of time. Good night. <laughs> a little bit milky. Is he on drugs? He's a deluded <laughs> dinosaur who needs to get out of our club pronto. Do you actually do anything in the week? <laughs> Tweeting negativity will have no impact. Needs to be done at games. Chants, banners and protests aimed at the club slash board sleepwalking into the championship it's ridiculous embarrassing and downright disgraceful time for Hughes to go absolutely abysmal the club's becoming a laughing stock sack everyone not acceptable (laughs) shambles it's All Saints Day next week would it be possible to have the minute silence dedicated to the death of our club please (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Southampton Football Club, <laughs> later to be known as There But For The Grace Of God Society. <laughs> oh, Do you feel a bit sorry for him, Chris? No, <laughs> not really. Not really. Especially when you saw like the post-match interviews and it's just... You could have just played the same one from when we lost their seven two last year. So, the exa- with, with the exception of he used the word milky, which milky. I thought was brilliant, but it's just this. Perhaps same. he'd been watching This Is England and uh, just uh, <laughs> had his favourite characters, milky defending, milky. Mm. <laughs> it's uh, I, I mean, it kind of, it's. I mean, I don't want I don't want to see people be sad, but when Southampton fans were saying to us, "Oh well, no, he, he that you've got other problems. It's not all his fault. He'll he'll keep us up, and then we'll be great next year." It kind of feels a bit cathartic for them to now be in this position and realizing, ah, shit, they were right. Just like when we realized, ah, oh, QPR fans had a point, didn't they? It's quite saddening. Quite sad that moment when you realise that uh, other fans have a point. Yeah, in uh, other non-football, in other uh, non-Stoke things in the world of football, uh, there's a 
European Super League being mooted. Uh, this is a kind of recurring story that seems to pop up at least once a year. But Chris, uh, did you want to want to talk about want to talk about yeah. the ESL? Well, I, I wanted to just have a, a a brief chat as such and get your view on it because we were ta- I was talking about it today at home, and it's a it's a weird one where I. Obviously, I understand people's arguments against it. How it's it's all done for money, and it's there is it, the integrity of a competition isn't there. And and I agree, I agree entirely with everyone's point. And maybe it's because I don't really care about the integrity of the competition or those big teams. But I kind of feel like breaking up that top five, the rich clubs, who it's going to be very difficult to break down if they stay in the national leagues i feel actually maybe it's a good thing maybe it makes football a little bit more interesting sure i think probably the english leagues may suffer economically the money might not be there because the money will go to this ridiculous super league of of football but i can't help but feel for fans it's for fans of clubs outside of the top five it, it is it not a good thing can it not be a good thing Football's going to still exist outside of that bubble, surely. Yeah, I mean, I read a couple of comments to the effect of, oh, this will destroy football in this country. And I'm thinking, no, it won't. If you support 88 out of the 92 football league clubs, you're still going to go. You're still going to enjoy football for your team. And in fact, if you're a fan of uh, Everton, West Ham, Leicester... Even extending that right down to the to the championship clubs like ourselves, the, the prospect of silverware and success becomes that much more attainable, and football becomes that that much more exciting again. Um, I think it would be a shame if it happened because it would be kind of an admission that capitalism had rendered uh, English football kind of dull and. Um, uh, just you know, um, dominated by a certain section of clubs, yeah. Uh, and I think it would definitely be a, a money spinner in terms of the TV money. The TV money would be the thing that makes me think that yeah. it could damage English football because if it all went to the European Super League, uh, what would the kind of knock-on effect of losing the Sky money be for for the likes of us, for example? But- but, but having said that, I think people would be surprised just how how little toss people would give about uh, this Super League. Um, I don't think That's... the neutral fan would be as interested in it. So, certainly after a while it could become boring. I think um, those games between, you know, if you've got 10 teams that are all the very best in the world, how often have you seen it that two really good sides just cancel each other out and the games are boring and lifeless. And I also think if you're a Man United, Liverpool, Man City fan, you want to be champions of England as well. I think you you well, kind of don't want that. The Champions League exists. It's there as your European pinnacle. You want to be the best in the country at something, surely. And I kind of just also feel sorry almost for the, for the fans of like United and Liverpool because if that becomes your bread and butter league, like that... I for the for I mean people are priced out of football as it is, 
But that basically kills off away days for anything but a small mm. percentage of fans. Like, oh, who have you got this week? Liverpool. Oh, we're away to Juventus, and then we've got another away game against Marseille. It's kind of it unless you you have the wealth to go away every other weekend to some far flung corner of Europe. And I know that fans go to European games, but then he like that's not all. Every they're, fan they're, and yeah, they're they're less regular and they're they're more of a adventure and yeah and the pricing and the price of home games would no doubt go up because you've got this new league and you can charge a whole new pricing structure and you're just pricing people out of the game more and more i think you're i think the impact on teams like us there would be less money for teams like us but players would still need to play not every player is going to play for the top five teams in england or across Europe as they don't now players coming through academies are still going to need teams to play for and yeah so the the, the Premier League the Premier League and the dominance of that and the money pouring into that didn't kill off grassroots football in England did it It, non-league games go on all across the country every single day obviously there's there's struggles down there and there's a lot of clubs and half time relying on volunteers and there's, you know, a lot of sad situations we've seen with clubs kind of down the lower leagues where they haven't found the money to sustain themselves. But if you, you kind of just talking about Britain now, think that how small we are, but just how deep the football leagues go in this country and how it's, how many teams there are. It is incredible. It's a sport that is entrenched throughout the country. It's deep rooted, and taking the top five teams out of that league structure is not going to kill off interest in domestic football. Like, I I don't think I'd enjoy the competition. I am not excited for a European Super League in the on the on game basis alone. I don't really care. I don't watch Man United anyway. Mm. Like, I'm not interested in those teams, and I don't think them playing Real Madrid and Barcelona every other week is going to... Um, increase the integrity in the in the game if anything i think it will lessen what is quite special ties when it comes to like the champions league yeah, like if well, if if i think oh man united have got barcelona in a knockout stage or something like that that they 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 come few and far between if they're going to be playing them in a league structure every year and only and and, in, and what's the chat that only some of the teams would be eligible for relegation and like I just it, it is it's a hyper capitalist model and it's not something I am interested in watching and well if you get rid of those teams there that opens up our leagues much much more like I think you'll you well it gives other teams more to play for yeah I it's kind of made a mockery of the the Champions League as well in that yeah the Champions League um, initially, it was like, yeah, we'll get the champions from every league. But obviously, some le- so many leagues are stronger than than the other ones. It's it's like, oh well, we need to have well at least four English and Spanish teams in it. So we'll we'll devise a competition where there's 32 of the best teams in Europe, yeah. in quotes. But then the group stage, you realise that 20 of them are no fucking use whatsoever, and then they just want, oh, we just want these 10 playing each other all the time. Um, because the the Champions League isn't what they want. They want the the big book of 
Chelsea versus PSG, Barcelona versus Real every week. But 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 by doing that, making it every week, it's just making it less exciting, less interesting, just boring. So um, yeah, if if the powers that be uh, really want to go ahead with a Super League, so be it. But I think they would possibly face a, face a nasty surprise in not only the objections to it, but also how disappointing a competition it would be. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. But you know, more for it for us. I think we'd, we'd have a nice time. We could potentially win a league. Yes. Um, well, back to the league we're actually in. Uh, just, uh, well, you're making this championship then. Um phew. It's a bit mad, isn't it? Hull beat West Brom yesterday. Uh, Norwich atop a league. Tell you what, that result against Norwich looks better and better by the week. Uh, they're they top. It's they were they were oh, top. Have Leeds gone? Above Leeds, them? we're all yeah. Leeds, aren't we? Have gone up the gone up the top. Mot 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 and all that stuff. They're at the top now, and uh, but it's mad, isn't it? Like you can't predict this league. I kind of enjoy it on that respect. It's it is um it's totally unpredictable. Like I, you can foresee the end of the season, the top six not looking anything like it does at the moment, and that's that's insane. I I'm not just saying that because we're in it, but I truly believe it's the most interesting league in the country because, like, yeah, Ipswich are rooted to the bottom, but you you can foresee a situation where they come out of that. Rotherham, Rotherham are surprising. Rotherham beat Swansea yesterday. That like everyone had them. Oh, they're going to go go down. They're not going to pick up any points. They've played really quite well. It's it's a really interesting league. Yes, I like it. I'd like us to be a bit higher up. We have uh, yeah gone back down to fifteenth, but uh, we've got uh, a long way still to go in the season, and I think that's a good thing. Um, just a few things to kind of plug them before we head off and uh, receive your lovely tweets. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure our listeners are the best uh, listeners. This isn't like uh, this isn't Radio Stoke. We get a high quality and caliber of <laughs> listener, Chris. We we we, <laughs> we get the best listeners. Uh, they're always thoughtful and sensible, and that's uh, it. Uh, as long as no one posts this. Um, podcast and the oat cake, which should be fine in terms of reaction. Um, <laughs> I, I do, I do think that I think we've been quite measured in our response, and we've thought this through. Like again, it's an emotive subject, and I get that some people are are angry about it, and and they're perfectly entitled to. It. And I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong because, like everyone's political opinions come from different places and I am fully aware that my political opinions are biased towards things that I believe and that's that's fine I'm not going to shout someone and tell them that they're wrong so don't at me mm. <laughs> but you are a PC lefty socialist snowflake aren't you though Chris oh you've uh, nailed I've my colours to the mass there I've outed you um, yeah a few things to plug on the old wizardsofdrivel.com, uh, if we can div- divert your attention there, we've got a couple of pieces, um, one of which 
I think it's really the yin and the yang of what Wizards of Drivel are about, really. You've got Tom Thrower, who's looked at graphs and data and XG. If you love your XG, get on this. And he's done a kind of data-driven piece about uh, why possession football is better for Stoke than uh, shithousery, uh, is the word he used. Um, but then, on the other side, I wrote down every single Stoke player in the squad and said how much I'd like to go for a pint with them. And uh, <laughs> there was there's mixed responses uh, to that one. But, um, yeah, to have a look at the pint article in particular, let me know what you think. Have I judged the Stoke players fairly? What Stoke players would you like to most go out for a pint with? Uh, let us know. Uh, our Patreon, we are hopefully going to do more stuff on our Patreon, but we had uh, a mini episode uh, during the week uh, where... Oh, me, me and you were on it, Chris. Uh, Dom yeah. Smith was on it. Uh, Tom Thrower was on it. We weren't at all tipsy, um, but the episode discussed what state managers were which US presidents, so that is well worth a dollar a month of anyone's money, so uh, find that at patreon.com forward slash wizards of drivel. There's anything else to plug? Yes, uh, Who Are Your Podcast, uh, the good football podcast I sometimes do, is... Oh. Now with an episode, sorry, Chris. <laughs> hey, Chris does Thanks, the artwork. Dave. You're an essential part of it. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, that has a new episode out on Fleetwood Town. It's, it's really good as well. I listened to it the other day and on my way to work, and yeah, I really, really, I really enjoyed it. So kudos on that one. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, Ben uh, obviously narrates them, and I just think it's kind of ironic that. Uh, on a week where uh, Stoke is the home of, you know, political divisions and political arguments, that uh, Ben should avoid all that and go to Lazio, where oh. a club that's never had any of those problems. Oh, oh, oh God! Yeah, yes, Ben is in uh, in Rome, uh, keeping his keeping his head down. I think. Um, Nice bunch of lads, those Lazio fans. A lovely bunch. Uh, okay, I think that's it. I am officially... Uh, oh, God, we're not going to get added on Twitter by Lazio fans now, are we? No one share <laughs> No one share this on their equivalent of the oatcake. <laughs> God, can you imagine what that's like? <laughs> Storm I can. Front. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, God. See, let's it's, leave. It's Godwin's law. This is Godwin's law of podcasting. Whenever you reference the Nazis, it's time to stop. Thank you very much for listening to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. See you next week. Go on, Stoke.